What's going on, everybody? This is Chris K here with Ethan Sowers, and you're listening to Campus to Caching, the ultimate, most degenerate, best DFS podcast there is over at the Campus to Canton Network. So, Ethan, we're in week 11, but one thing I was thinking about is we still have two months of action left. That's a that's that's a nice little surprise. You think week 11, you think, man, we're about done, but we have two more months of this. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I uh, I definitely hit a little bit of a lull, but I feel like week eleven, I'm I've got my energy back a little bit. I'm I'm excited to uh, start getting into you know some postseason. Um, the great thing about DFS is that we get we get slates, like you said, for for another an extra month outside of the actual uh, regular season. So if you're in any uh, CFF leagues or C2C leagues, your CFB action might be uh, coming to a close. But we still got plenty of fun to have uh, with our, our daily fantasy action. So, uh, what about you? You uh, you getting worn down from the grind? <laughs> oh uh, yeah, of course. But <laughs> it is college football. Like if you're gonna be worn down, at least you're being worn down by this amazing sport, right? For sure. So I am down with it. And some of the cool parts of like December and this whole two months left is that I love the bowl season DFS slates because yeah. you get like full day slates which are great because you can be strategic you get uh matchups of teams you've never seen play each other before which are always just fun in general for me i think they're fun to watch and enjoy but also like i think there's a sweet spot of games sometimes and i think like that four to six game range is fun to play um i love the afternoon slate on saturdays because it's usually like five games or four games or something yeah. And if they would just put, if DraftKings would put more contests out there, I would, I'd prefer to play that over main slate. Main slate, you just get so many options, which we'll kick off here in a second. Uh, and so there's sometimes you can't go wrong. And then sometimes you just get beat by a guy that's like 0.1% because, yep. you know, there's so many entries and things out there. So what do you think about this um, slate from like a, overall perspective um let's see it's i think it's 12 games and you get some nice later action you get like a washington state game at four o'clock washington at 3 30 so if you if you jam early players you just good luck hope you hold on to that so what do you think of the slate yeah i think they did a pretty good job uh with uh value on this slate um i feel like are at least you know two or three guys at every position I don't hate um, leaning into and, and playing a decent volume of them um, that are cheap, cheap options. Um, as far as, you know, game selection, uh, there are some interesting ones. I think there's some really I'm probably going to be fading just, you know, across the board. Um, I, I, I look at that, you know, that Utah-Washington, and, you know, that feels like uh, – a game that usually we want some uh, some pieces of, but with you know Utah being the Utah offense of uh, of last year, I think that that sets up a really interesting option of you know are you going to be playing those those high price Washington players um, or are you not? And I think we have a few other spots like that um, just in general. You know that Miami Florida State game has some interesting options. Um, Michigan Penn State is just going to be a wash. You don't want to play anybody in that game, at, at least 
that's my take on it. We'll get to yours uh, as we as we comb through it. But in general, I think there it's a, a a very good choose your spot kind of weekend uh, where you have some options to if you really want to get contrarian and play some 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 ugly matchups, you have that ability. Um, but there is definitely value across the board. I think. Yeah, I think there's, and I think on top of that, there's just some random fun options. You know, like well let's maybe not start off with quarterbacks with our favorite play but instead with do we believe in haynes king because the guy is incredible in terms of fantasy standpoint but yeah he's doing it on like like 50 yard runs and stuff right um so how sustainable is that they play clemson that's a tough matchup it is Um, do you think i mean he's gone for 32 points and four of the last five five of the last seven so, like, he's put up some big numbers fairly consistently throughout the year. Do you think that that kind of production uh, content, you know, continues against Clemson? You know, yeah, I went through uh, earlier today and I made my pool of players, my just my initial look. Now, throughout the season, that usually changes, or not throughout the season, throughout the day or in the week, that kind of changes as we dig a little bit deeper into those. King was not on my initial run through. I feel like there are just some better spots and I feel like his salary, um, there wasn't much relief uh, in terms of playing an option that has a little bit more risk having, having that tough, tougher matchup. Um, I definitely think there's a path to success for him. Um, Just looking at his season so far. And I mean, he's, he's played some good defenses. He's, you know, played Miami. He's played, um, you know, an Ole Miss defense that isn't awful, and he he's put up some good numbers. Um, it, I mean, it seems like he's just really had everything come together with, like you said, kind of some fluky runs and some, um, you know, some opportunities that are high leverage for him. Um, but there's no doubt that he's really surprised and just come into his own this season. I, I think, um, again, thinking of this slate as a choose your spot slate, I think that's a, a really interesting spot that's going to really decide, you know, um, the quarterback position in general. Um, I'm I'm personally not on him, but what do you what do you have on him? I'm not on him much, but I think I see the upside enough that if I'm playing the way I typically play in terms of lineups, I have to have some exposure. I can't leave. I can't go into twelve oh one p.m. on Saturday without like 5% just because his upside is so high yeah. or he has been so productive in some of these games. I don't love the matchup obviously, but it's, I think considering how big, I mean, he's, he's done it for the full season essentially. So I'm not going to just 0% on, but you know, he's not my favorite play. Obviously like we're, we're both agreeing, but instead who is your favorite play? Is it Jordan Travis? Um, you know, I like Travis. I think my favorite play in general is probably Noah Fafita, assuming that he's continues to have that, that job, uh, at Arizona, um, super cheap 6,000, uh, against Colorado. Um, I feel like that is just way too cheap. Um, in terms of like higher price guys, I think Michael Pratt is a guy who I am definitely wanting to see a lot of ownership of this week. He's at 8,200. Uh, playing Tulsa um, at home um, in New Orleans, so um, I like I like both of them quite a bit. What about you? Who's who's QB one and, and maybe another guy that you're looking at? I think Travis is the guy I would 
you know, overall think is the top guy, but I do love Fafita. I'll talk about him in a second. I think just Travis, you know, he's been super productive. He's got to be in the race for the Heisman campaign that continues. Totally. You got to think that he's that he gets some receiver help back too, right? Like, yeah, you got to think that Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman sat last week because they were, I would hope they were because it was close and it was potentially a blowout against Pitt. And he still was awesome. So you see in rushing production on the ground, right? He's throwing for 300 plus. So I like Travis the most, but in terms of like the best value, I agree. It's Fafita. Yeah. Um, He's 6K, which is just way too cheap. Yeah. I can't imagine he doesn't start again. I mean, he's thrown for 303 out of the last four. Totally. He doesn't doesn't give you anything on the ground, really, but he's not as like he's not a negative like a Shador Sanders where. Yeah, you can go for negative forty yards. So he's been quite impressive. Jaden Delore is going to be transferring because there's yeah. no. I don't see how he gets the job back from. FIFA. Yeah, I think so. you made a really interesting point too with with Travis and getting his re- receivers back this week. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's hard to argue and and going into that big game against Miami, I personally expect both of them to be ready to go. Um, but you know. Who's to say? It seems like college football coaches hold their cards so close to their chest with injuries and things like that. So, um, but if if we do get you know the wheels up on both of them, I could see Jordan Travis being my highest down quarterback. Yeah, I mean it only would help um, against Miami too. I, you know he's going to get a full game of action for sure. I think JJ McCarthy gets a full game of action, but maybe <laughs> not. I don't know. No, uh, you said you don't like anybody in this game. No, I think that I would. I mean, I'm going to homer it here. I think that why wouldn't you consider JJ McCarthy as like a, a upside tournament play? Uh, I mean, there's definitely a chance. I honestly, though, I'm of the belief. And if anybody out there was listening to uh, uh, Campus Life this week, I, I thought uh, Colin and Austin did a great job with. Um, kind of talking through the possible outcomes in that game. Um, and the fact that, you know, I, I do think that Penn State plays this game particularly well on defense. Um, I think you've got to assume they come out and play at least as well as they played against Ohio State um, on defense. Ohio State, obviously, though, not, uh, I don't know. I mean, you have on one hand, you have a worse quarterback play with uh mccord versus mccarthy i think mccarthy definitely has at least more experienced and i think he's got a better uh mastery of the offense that he's running than mccord has um but on the flip side of that you don't have anybody on michigan who is anywhere near what marvin harrison jr is um that's not to slight roman wilson i think roman wilson is a good receiver i think he's a an NFL cap receiver, but I don't think he's an NFL superstar. Like I assume Marvin Harrison jr. Is going to be. Um, and so I think that Penn state's defense, you know, I think they can limit big plays in terms of, uh, you know, the, the field stretching. Um, and so I do think it's going to come down to whether or not McCarthy can be patient um, and capitalize on the, you know, two or three deep shots that Penn State's probably going to give up a few a few chunk plays. And I think, you know, those two or three, if they can connect on them, you know, Maryland was even able to take some of those chunk plays and do that. So um, there's a, an opportunity. But in terms of, you know, 
what percentage of outcomes, if they played it a hundred times, do I think JJ McCarthy is a, a tournament winner this week? And I'd say it's under 10%. Okay. I mean, I think you're dead on, right? I, I don't even think, I don't even think Roman Wilson's mom would be upset with you about that comment. <laughs> like it's Marvin Harrison, right? Yeah. I would, I think the, the potential counter thought there is that like, with McCarthy being more exact, you know, more efficient, more accurate, like, can he get away with not needing as much of a superstar, right? Like Marvin Harrison was, is like a chuck it up and just go get it type. But like, if they're running good plays and good routes and maybe just making a better throw, cause McCord yeah. to me is not very good period. Uh, well, I should say not very good in like the large scale of, of everything. Does that like, def, you know, does that kind of even things out? My, thought here is that McCarthy is going to be needed for them to score. I don't think this run game is all that impressive. I mean, we saw what Corm did last week, which was just vulture away all of McCarthy's touchdowns. We also saw though in the last three games, you know, really Penn state giving up some decent passing yards through the air. Right. So Ohio state, obviously we already mentioned Indiana, which, you know, it was really like what three big plays, but, yeah. They still gave up 269 yards on 19 attempts to yeah. Brendan Soresby. So that's a yeah. little concerning, I think, for Penn State def- defender defenders. And yeah. then Maryland, right? Maryland threw it a ton and got to a big number. But I don't know. I'm also a homer, right? So yeah. I just think, like, if Michigan's going to win the game by the two touchdowns, I think they'll win by. It has to be with McCarthy scoring. Um, I just don't see Corum doing a whole lot. Donovan Edwards hasn't done anything since. So I just want to put on the record that with you saying that you think they're going to win by two touchdowns, you were saying saying that Vegas is wrong. Oh, Vegas is dead wrong. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to get that get that in. This this four and a half (laughs) makes no sense to me, right? Like, (laughs) it makes absolutely no sense to me that it's four and a half. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to belabor this game too much. Obviously, you and I have have but. I, I do think that, you know, the situational aspect with the Indiana game and even a little bit with the the Maryland game, you know, coming off of that that loss against Ohio State and going and playing Indiana, you knew that there was going to be some uh, um, a defense that played their heart out and didn't have any So I don't really put a whole lot of stock in the uh the yardage numbers and things like that for the indiana game but there's no doubt that you know this is this could either be a close win by penn state or an absolute blowout like we saw last year um and actually the guy who i like the most um i don't like him at his price point uh, but the guy i like the most uh in this one is actually going to be colson loveland i think he has an opportunity to have a really nice game um, because i think that the going to focus on stopping the run and containing McCarthy and getting him under some duress that I think that there's going to be soft pockets for Colson Loveland. If McCarthy is dialed in and um, as accurate as he can be, I think Colson Loveland has the opportunity for a, you know, six, seven reception game for 80 to a hundred yards and a touchdown. Um, I don't love him at, at 4.9, but uh, I, I think he's an interesting name. And if there's one weapon on that Michigan offense that I, I do um, think has an opportunity to do some damage, I think it's Loveland. 
Okay. Yeah, let's get a let's look elsewhere. Uh, yeah. You mentioned Michael Pratt. I love Michael Pratt this weekend. Um, their team total, I think, is like mid thirties, uh, thirty eight and a half, which is huge against Tulane, uh, Tulsa. Yeah. I also like Hughes in the the backfield as well. But I think For Pratt's sure. just he's come on super strong after you know I think he was banged up a little bit at the beginning, right? So love to see him running again and running well. And the receivers seem really pretty quality. You know, and it seems like maybe even a little bit more concentrated than in years past, which makes it a little bit easier to stack them if you want to. Yeah. What's like maybe the one big reason why you like Pratt going into this weekend? Yeah, I I mean, I think there's been a little bit more focus and a little bit more buzz with him recently about, you know, potentially sticking around and transferring um, to a a better program. Um, I've heard a few uh, shows on the C2C network uh, call him um, Alabama quarterback Michael Pratt. Um, so there's, there's definitely some hype going for him, but it just seems like an opportunity. Tulsa is the kind of team, especially if they're getting, uh, Braxton back. Um, they're a team that I think can put up points and play enough so that Pratt gets a whole game and he gets, you know, maybe in that sweet spot of a two touchdown lead for most of it, where he's got to kind of keep his foot on the accelerator. Um, but they're definitely not a good enough team to hold him down in my opinion. So um, I definitely like a, a Pratt that's getting a little bit healthier. Uh, we mentioned Plum Lee, who's kind of a little bit of the same vein. He's been way more banged yeah. up than Pratt, but yeah. his upside is always worth talking about and yeah. rostering. What about a guy kind of in the same price range, Jason Bean? If Jason Bean starts, which I don't know the Jalen Daniels you know status as of as this recording, but yeah, if Bean starts against Texas Tech, this feels like a good opportunity. It's not like Texas Tech, you know, is super great defensively, right? And yeah. it's not like and they put up enough points that they they're pretty adequate on offense and they seem to actually have figured some things out offensively more recently. Yeah. So is Bean in play for you? I think so. I think he's he's um suitable. Again, he's not a guy who I uh clamored to on my initial um kind of quarterback pool uh, consideration list here. Um, but I think there's there's no reason why you should avoid him or actively try and fade him. Um, we saw last week, uh, you know, TCU had the ability to move the ball on, on that Texas Tech defense, um, and they were able to get a, uh, a little bit of a shootout going. Um, I think it's really interesting. On, on the flip side of that game, I do love Barry. Um, it seems like since he's come back from his injury, he's really been able to get the mental side of it and, and, and handle being a starter better than as previously. Um, that shock injury, um, he looked really um, but he seems like he's, he's finally, you know, um, it makes you think what the back and forth nature of putting him in games and taking him out of games did to him last year. Um, and whether there's a mental aspect of that, of, you know, not quite being the, the guy and then have being relied on. Um, but I think, I think that that game in general, uh, does seem like a, a nice, you know, potential shootout game. Um, what do you, uh, think on, on the other side of that on, on Baron Morton? I like, I like Morton. I think, uh, I don't know why, but my, projections that i use they just always seem to love him he's, he's always in yep. that like mid six to seven k range which he's at 7100 this weekend yep 
he's found the touch, you know, found the end zone on the ground. You know, this offense typically should produce a star. So, I mean, there's no reason not to like him. And it's not like Kansas has shown to be um, like star studded on defense, right? They had a great game against Oklahoma with some different factors coming into play. But, uh, you know, I think that I'm not worried about that matchup at all. Yeah. Uh, any any other quarterbacks worth mentioning? Um, you know, we already talked about Fafita. He's the guy who's definitely the value on this slate. Um, I'll, I'll just give a little tease. Uh, there's there's some some goodness that we're going to talk about in flex or fade coming out of West Lafayette this week. That uh, you know, week eleven super degenerate mode here. Um, but there's some quarterbacks worth mentioning there. Uh, but other than that, no, I I think we uh, we hit the main guys who are. Uh, I'm in on this week. Yeah, and I'll just say, because right, we didn't bring up Michael Penix. To me, Michael Penix is in a tougher matchup than we'd like. Yeah. He's the highest-priced quarterback by a lot, and he's yeah. just, you know, the matchup's more difficult, plus he's not playing to the level as he was at the beginning of the year where he could afford to be 10800 Yeah, and um, his, and his receivers like, are so expensive, too, to stack with. It just really seems tough to fit him in. Yeah, and then I would also add like Jalen Milrow coming off a 50-point game. A lot of those runs yeah. seem to be scrambling, and I don't think they want to run him on true run plays. So yeah, I just would keep that in mind, you know, going against Kentucky at that price point. I, I don't love it just because I don't think that 20-carry type stuff is going to happen again. It's just not consistent. Yeah. That's fair. Um, look at it running back. Who's, who's your top guy? Is it Ollie Gordon? Is it you know, Ray Davis, is it somebody else? Who are you thinking? Yeah. I mean, three guys towards the top that I'm, I'm definitely in on and I haven't figured out who I'm going to have most of probably the cheapest of the three. Um, but Ollie Gordon at 7,900 Taj Brooks at 7,700 and, uh, Jaden Ott at 7,500. Those are the three guys that really jump out to me as guys who I'm willing to pay that kind of a premium for. Um, Ollie Gordon, I mean, we talked a little bit about uh, Plumlee in that that game. I, I don't have the total in front of me, uh, but that to me seems like a game that I really want to have a piece of. Um, whether I'm paying up for those premium guys like Gordon or Plumlee, um, or if I'm, you know, getting a little creative and going like a Rashad Owens or, um, you know, a, a cheaper option. Javon Baker is not really cheap, but a, a peripheral option in that game. Seems like a game that I really want to have something in. Um, so the the two-parter back to you here is, uh, who's your number one running back? And uh, what are your thoughts on on how you're getting exposure to that game? Well, that game has a 33, I think they're at 33 and a half implied team total Oklahoma State. Okay. I think he's my number one. I mean, he's just... <laughs> He just has not done anything to lose it, right? You know, like yeah. he's just been incredible and he's the consistency of usage is there. And I just think that that's a great matchup. Kansas wore them out UCF defensively running the ball. And yeah. I think that Oklahoma State's run game is certainly possible, you know, able to do that. Uh, yeah. So I think he is my top guy. I think there's two running backs. Uh, I, I love the call out of both Brooks and Ott. Brooks to me is probably that next guy. Heavy, heavy usage. Yeah. Good enough matchup. Um, you know, Jaden Ott is a big usage guy. He's really good in the pass game. Re he can create a big play, and that matchup's not scary at all. You know, I, I'll make a caveat. Like, Ray Davis, to me, is super interesting. Yeah. I think I'll ultimately will like more of, like, the overs in his the rushing props because I think yeah. that 
think the number I saw was like 66 and a half or 68 and a half. I think that's a really good over, but I think in terms of like true DFS, it's just, that's like a, like a sprinkle because, you know, sure he could have like a huge Florida game. Um, but I just think that that's like, you kind of mentioned with McCarthy, like that's a less than 10% possible uh, possibility to happen. Is that, are you kind of in the same vibe there with Davis? Yeah, Davis is the one guy who I I didn't have on my my player pool that I think I could end up having a good deal of uh, by the end of the week. Um, the last time I said to fade Ray Davis because of a matchup was exactly that Florida game. Um, I don't think Bama's defense is any better or scarier of a matchup than Florida. Um, so yeah, I, I think that they should be just fine. I also think, you know, it's interesting because... I think Alabama is going to be able to score. I know their offense hasn't been great this year, but I think Kansas is or Kansas Kentucky's defense. I don't think is um, anything to anything of a you know a, a huge threat against their their production. Um, so yeah, I I could certainly see Ray Davis creeping up my my uh, lineup usage um, by the end of the week, but um, I do think you know. I'd probably get a little bit more aggressive than, than, you know, a, a sprinkle. Um, but I do think, you know, 15% is probably going to be the max that I, I'm, I will allow myself to have of Davis this week. When you look at, I think we agree, right? Gordon Brooks, Otter, three of the best options here. But if you look yep. at just below them, you get some really interesting options at a For little sure. bit of some co- uh, cost savings. And specifically I'm thinking of Devin Neal, uh, RJ Harvey. Yep. And uh, I thought there was a third one. I guess not. Uh, but those are the two that jump out to me. Yeah. Let's toss Cody um, Schrader in there at 6,000 too. Schrader against Tennessee is not a bad one either. I mean, yeah. same kind of similar concept, you know, like 20 plus carries usage in the past game. Yeah. Um, typically finds the end zone, right? Like Brady Cook has been able to run the ball in, but. That's just not really how they want to score on the ground. I think those are more anomalies, uh, one-offs than like the typical. So yeah, yeah. there's the third one. I appreciate that. So <laughs> is there one of those three that you like the most, or do you think you'll just probably have the same or similar usage in all of those for all those guys? I think I will probably have more Cody Schrader than, than the other two um, because of the savings that he provides coming in at 6K. Um, I like RJ Harvey and then Devin Neal. I... I'm a little fatigued of playing Devin Neal just because it seems like, you know, he's always got the potential to have the big game. Um, I, I don't hate that play at all though. I think that he's, he's well in play. He's, he's the kind of guy who regardless of matchup every week, he should be in your, your player pool. He should be in consideration because he is just solid and consistent and always has a game breaking potential. Um, RJ Harvey seems like since uh, Plumley. Uh, has been dealing with injuries. Um, Harvey's just gotten that elevation in his play and in his usage. Um, obviously, if if Plumlee has any lingering concerns, you know they might be less uh, less likely to run him towards the goal line or anything like that. Um, but I think I'd rank them Schrader, Harvey, and Neal in terms of what I'm planning on playing this weekend. Okay, I think I would go Schrader, Neal, Harvey, but it, it's yeah. it's a it's razor thin. It's yeah. close. Um, you mentioned loving Strader because of the cost savings, and I completely agree. I think there's a guy slightly below him that is honestly just equally is in play. Mackie Hughes, the two lane running back. Yeah. Great, 
very good game script. I mean, insanely consistent. I mean, you look at his yeah. last five games, I think that's when they basically kind of called him the starter. He's yeah. had 20 plus carries, 100 plus yards in every game. He's added a couple catches, only yeah. four touchdowns in five games, which is kind of insane when you think about how many, how, how he's produced in terms of attempts and yardage. Yeah. But this feels like the type of game where maybe he does get two to three rushing touchdowns and explodes. Yeah. And that's always the the consideration when you're playing Pratt too, is that, you know, you know, if you're playing Michael Pratt at his price, you're banking on, you know, some rushing touchdown equity. Um, but Makai Hughes certainly has the opportunity and the, the talent to steal those and have a, a three, four touchdown day. Uh, things just break right for him. Um, so I'm, I'm, I love Makai Hughes this week. Uh, two other guys, a similar price point, um, kind of are uh, in between some, some injury information in, in terms of whether or not they're going to be big plays for us. Um, Darius Taylor, I'm not sure if he's been uh, marked out for sure this week. I'm, I'm assuming he's not going to play, but I feel like he's worth, worth mentioning at 6K if we do get anything concrete that he is playing. Um, that's an interesting name. And then Phil Moffa. Um, I'm assuming Will Shipley does go this week, uh, but Phil Moffa's there at, at 5,700. Uh, 5, so uh, what are your thoughts there? Um, if if we do get news that Taylor's out, is, is Nubin at 4,000 interesting to you, or, or what are you thinking there? I think if uh, those are those are literally the exact next place I was going, so well done uh newbin is certainly in play at 4k if taylor's out i i don't know i guess like we will know but the problem is it's a 330 game yeah. and so we won't get that report probably till you know 2 p.m or something right yeah uh i think newbin makes a ton of sense if taylor doesn't play and i would lean that taylor doesn't play i yeah. might think about it from a standpoint of um rostering a guy that i like at or 4100 type of thing and then if if i hear that newbin is playing swapping to him yeah. and making that a little easier yeah. uh, but i was literally going to say like hey if if they say shipley's out which i i would lean towards the same as you i think shipley plays we just haven't heard anything confirmed yet yeah. but let's say shipley was out does Mafa become one of the best values i mean he had like 36 carries three touchdowns last week is georgia yeah. tech like it almost feels like it I would honestly like for Shipley to take care of his physical health this weekend, if possible. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I mean, I, he's definitely in the conversation for the best best running back value on the slate, um, if that's the case. I, I still think, you know, Schrader and Hughes are right there with him. Uh, if, if, if that news does break the way we – I guess we're not expecting it to, but if it does break the way that, that benefits uh, Mafa um, – I mean, Georgia Tech, I, I don't think that they defensively are anything crazy, but I do think they've seen kind of the blueprint on, okay, this is what Clemson is going to want to do. They're going to want to run Mafa. Um, so if it is just Mafa, I think that they're prepared to dedicate the resources to stop the run. Uh, whether or not they're successful, who knows. Um, but I... I I'm definitely keeping my eyes on Will Shipley and, and seeing what, what we get. Um, it would be great from a DFS perspective if, like you said, he did sit. Yeah, 
looking at it maybe like really cheap options here because there's you know while 58 5600 6000 are really pretty affordable if you don't use Fafita or a, a cheaper quarterback like that you got to have to find somebody in this running back receiver room one guy i really like is Jonah Coleman the Arizona running back against Colorado i think that just makes so much sense yeah. uh, to use him the only only fear would be if they trick us and use Michael Wiley a, a bit more, but Wiley barely played last week. And so if he's healthy, why is he barely playing type of thing? Yeah. I think Coleman feels pretty safe. Knock on wood at the 4,300 with this matchup. Is he your favorite cheap, cheap guy? Or is there somebody else yeah. that I'm missing? See, we don't, we don't need a show sheet for this. Cause you're just calling the guys right off my list too. Here. <laughs> so uh, yeah, Wiley and Coleman are the, primary guys that I'm looking at in terms of savings. Um, I actually think, you know, Michael Wiley from a tournament perspective is really interesting. Um, banking on a little bit of back and forth and a little bit of, uh, you know, feeding the hot hand. I know Coleman's been great recently, um, but all it takes is, you know, a big play early from Wiley and uh, I could see them kind of leaning a little bit more on him. Um, especially if they're in any sort of consideration of, sharing the workload, splitting it and, and kind of monitoring what uh, kind of tread uh, is being taken off of either of them. But um, yeah, I, I love both of them against uh, Colorado. It just seems like, you know, a slam dunk of one of them is going to have a great game. So you want to have that in your lineup. Yeah. And then otherwise, you know, Newbin really is the only guy that seems decently appealing yeah. on the slate in terms of super cheap. Definitely kicking it, kicking it over to a receiver. We already talked about the Washington guys being super expensive. Yep. Luther burden is questionable. I don't know how legitimate that is. Yep. Does that mean that we're going to be all on Arizona receivers and stacking it with the feet? Or is there a different guy that you'll have higher owned? It really feels like Ted McMillan is going to be the highest, uh, highest owned receiver on the slate at 6,300. Um, I, I like burden a lot if he's going to play, um, you know, I feel like that's a nice opportunity there. Um, yeah, I mean, especially if there's any consolidation of the uh, Florida State receivers, if, if one of them isn't a go, um, I feel like that really limits options in that, you know, less than 7,000, but more than 5,500 range. Um, that I, I think, you know, the Arizona receivers and then Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson feel like kind of the the big ownership hogs um, that are going to be uh, chalk this week. Yeah, I think McMillan makes the most sense. 6,300 is kind of crazy. His yeah. usage is high. Uh, you know, he scored he, – I mean, he's scored touchdowns since the day he stepped on campus yeah. a year ago, right? So, like, that makes it really pretty easy to figure out, you know, to, to nail down as the top guy. Yeah. But otherwise at the top, there's just question marks or things that we don't, I don't necessarily love, right? Like we already yeah. mentioned the, the pricing of, of Washington receivers, like Odunzi has gone for 13, 20 and 13, 35 and 11 points in his last five games. Like that's not what you're paying nearly 9,000 for. Exactly. Like I pay Marvin, I pay Marvin Harrison amounts of money. I'm not yeah. getting those types of results. You know, yeah. Polk who's filled in, He's been much better, um, mm -hmm. but like, when does that stop, right? Like, you yeah. Know, so you, that's that would worry me, especially against a Utah defense that is really pretty adequate and yeah. is like the type 
this like Utah's the type to take down Washington this weekend. Right? Completely, like, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I just you know Travis Hunter, I think is probably the guy I like the most on Colorado, but that is about as high risk, high reward as it gets for yeah. many reasons. Yeah, I do like um, Jeremy Bernard a little bit at forty five hundred as kind of like a pivot away from the top two guys. You assume, you know. Andy Ludwig is uh, not Ludwig. The uh, I forget the the defensive coordinator for uh, Utah. Um, but either way, you know that Utah is going to have a plan for Adunze and Polk. Um, it seems like this is a game where maybe a peripheral guy breaks a big one or, or gets an opportunity. Um, for the most part, though, I I don't really want any part of that game. Um, I think that you know it's just too high of a price for. Um, what I assume is going to be subpar mediocre production. Um, it, it makes an interesting slate. I, I love it when the slate breaks this way and where we have a few guys who aren't uber expensive, but we know they're probably going to be chalk and they're, you know, right around the, you know, 65 to 5k range. Um, and then there are some really cheap options as well. And it makes you wonder, you know, do I pay up and just bite the bullet and go with the guys who I think are going to be guaranteed production at wide receiver um, that are a little bit pricier? Or do I try and cut corners um, knowing that wide receiver is the most volatile position um, and try and go cheap and then jam in the guys at quarterback and running back? Just from a, like a roster construction perspective, do you have a, a preference on that for, for this week? Or what do you what are you thinking? I, I don't. I don't really have a strong preference either way. I, I yeah. would say that because the options of like, I think Fafita is such a good cheap option. And then mm-hmm. the other quarterbacks that I like are not going to kill me in terms of salary. Yeah. I probably will kind of just mix and match. Um, I think yeah. there's a lot of mid range receivers that make a ton of sense. Yeah. Like Tet, like I think a couple of Washington state guys. Yep. And so like not necessarily, you know, it almost is like a third option. You just go middle of the pack, right? Mid range yeah. across the board, right? Like that's not something you typically see. Yeah. You know, when you're using an optimizer, in my experience over the years is that it wants to throw in the superstar and then it finds like the best super cheap option. So yep. you're kind of creating some differences in lineup construction just by going, you know, a couple like three to four, five to six six K guys. Like I think yeah. if you said Hey, I want to. I'm going to use Fafita, Schrader, Hughes, one uh, one Washington State receiver, and Tet. You're yep. not really breaking the bank, and exactly. you have a lineup that's really feels pretty good to start. So that's probably where I would be at more in this slate, which is very atypical for me. Yeah. Um, because, like I said, I, I see myself typically it's superstar, super cheap, thirty-seven hundred yeah. guy. So. Um, touched on the Washington state guys. I like, I mean, obviously Lincoln Victor is getting targets like insanely. Uh, but I think Kyle Williams is going to be a nice play, even with a little bit of a, like a, I don't say shaky game log, but like his game log doesn't wow you. Yeah. But I think that he rates really pretty well for me. Is is there one over the other that you love? Um, I'll probably, I'll probably have more, uh, more Williams and Kelly. Uh, than Victor. Um, I, I can't quit Josh Kelly. He's, he's my guy of those three. Um, and I, I will have more than the field. I'm almost certain uh, with him. Um, 
but it seems like you know one of those three is going to have a, a very nice game very possible two of the three have a, a nice game um but i i could really see you know if you're leaning victor i think what you almost have to do is assume that he's going to be the target share guy and then go after somebody who's more explosive in your other wide receivers i think something that makes sense is going like a, a lincoln victor and then using like Javon Baker and Squirrel White as your other receivers who have the big play explosive opportunity. Um, and then you kind of pad it in there with Victor, assuming he's going to get the, the targets. Um, and you have a potential for a very nice wide receiver uh, core um, to propel you through the, the rest of the day. But um, I, I don't know. On those, on those three, I don't have a, a very strong take at this point in time. Um, but just knowing my preferences, Josh Kelly is the one who I, I'm going to be much higher ratio wise than, uh, than the, the competition. Yeah, I think you're, you're right. If you like Kelly the most, you're going to be overweight, which is totally fine. I mean, the offense can put up big numbers and Ward is not shy to, to, that's, you made the point, right? Like Victor is more of a target hound rather than you know, a guy that scores a ton of touchdowns. So like, yeah. is it Kelly, you know, and maybe you double stack, right. You could say, well, Victor's going to get a ton of targets, but like, who's the guy of the other two that if, if this happens, you know, you kind of find some correlation there. Yeah. I don't, I think that's a prime double stack situation. If you like yeah. Ward, then I think you have to like at least one. And in a lot of cases you probably like two yeah. considering the pricing and the fact that Victor just gets so many targets. Um, I wanted to touch on Tennessee receivers, man. We in yeah. week one, we just loved and we were so wrong. They haven't yeah. done anything. Yeah. They've consistently used the same guys. Are we going to see it again against Missouri with some of the most appealing prices that we've had this year for them? I I think they're gonna have to pass if they're gonna have any success. I don't think um they're going to be able to run very well against Missouri. Um, and I think Missouri knows and is going to try and play into the fact that, you know, if, if we're going to shut down this offense, we need Joe Milton to try and do too much, essentially. Um, and so I think that they're really going to load up. Um, I do think, though, that the athleticism that the Tennessee wide receivers have on the outside um, – I think that they, they are better matched up against Missouri-type athletes than they are against the majority majority of the SEC. And so I think that it creates an interesting option, option for them. Um, it, it ultimately comes down to whether or not Joe Milton is able to get the ball to them consistently. Um, I feel like that's been the breakdown all year. Has been, you know, Joe Milton has just not been as good as we thought he could be. Um, and so there's there's definitely an option, I think, to go uh, heavy on this Tennessee uh, wide receiver group. Um, and so I'm I'm probably going to have a Tennessee wide receiver in I don't know maybe twenty five to thirty percent of my lineups. What about you? What what's your, your that's a, that's that feels pretty aggressive if I'm not going to lie. I yeah. you know I think Milton's been underwhelming. I also think the coaching staff is just like pushing towards running. Just use, yeah. using their run game as the strength of their team. They definitely not. Have. It's it was very interesting because it feels like Hooker was used 
throwing the ball way more than what we're seeing with Milton. But yeah, I, I could see myself with a little bit of squirrel just because of what we've seen in the past. And I think Dante Thornton at 3,700 makes sense in yeah, sure. a sprinkle of lineups, like just because of the, the cheapness. And yeah. I don't know if one of the three have really differentiated themselves that much. Like squirrel's been out there forever and he really doesn't have a crazy big game or anything like that. So it's like, yeah. if I'm going to go with one of them, I'm going to go cheap. What, um, I mean, what, what other receivers are we missing? Cause I'm just like looking at this list and I'm just, yeah. I am not thrilled with our I've- options. I've got a few in the uh, the low 5K that I, I think we, we need to hit on. Um, I've got uh, Daniel Jackson, uh, Minnesota receiver at 5,300. Um, I've got Rashad Owens at 5,100 for Oklahoma State. And then uh, the Purdue receiving game between Deion Burks and uh, uh, Ali Yassin um, at 4,700. I think those are kind of the... I think those are going to be low owned options just because of where they sit pricing wise. Um, it doesn't seem like a slate where you really need those value guys that aren't necessarily, you don't need like the below average salaries. Like this seems like a, 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 a slate where you're going to have enough savings where maybe you get one cheap guy, but then you can pretty much fit in who you need to fit in elsewhere. Um, so those guys who are like just above the super value plays and in that like below 5,500 and maybe above 4,000, I think that's like the, the spot of guys that's kind of like a wasteland and kind of forgotten. Um, and I think all three of these guys are, or I guess four guys, if you're looking at both the Purdue re- receivers, um, have the opportunity to put up big games that really could give you you know, that differentiation between, um, between rosters. Yeah. I think Owens for me was a a thought for sure. Um, you know, like Jaheim Bell in that range is, is always, I shouldn't say always, it's kind of interesting because the way his he's used is so much, but the production is just not there. He's just not getting the touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, but Daniel Jackson's a, a little bit of a surprising name, but I mean, against Iowa, he had a huge game, big game against Michigan state. Like, I was shocked when I I checked his game log and like how consistent he's been at putting up, you know, 15 to 20 points. It seems like that's kind of like his sweet spot. Um, And he's played some tough matchups in the, uh, the big 10 West um, and has been consistent through all of them. Um, So getting, I think a little bit of a reprieve against Purdue playing a, a, a lesser matchup. I think he's got, you know, 20, 25 point upside. Um, and is a, a guy who you can plug in and at 5,300, I mean, you can really do what you want elsewise on the slate um, if, if you're willing to go a little bit cheap with him. Yeah, I, and I think there's some injury things to, to note for some of these, right? Like for one, yeah. um, Yassine I think is certainly viable. If he plays, he's, he's questionable. I don't think he's played yeah. for like – since like week six, which brings up Dixon Veal, who has played in in uh, in, in place of him, and more yeah. recently getting a ton of, I think he's got like thirteen or fourteen targets in the last two weeks, eight catches during that time at three thousand bare minimum. So I think he's certainly in That's play. Yeah, yeah. Um, Burks is obviously interesting. You know, I think his value continues to be. Uh, I you know I I think 
I think Yassine out helps him. So yeah. if he was out, that would help him. But if Yassine's in, then maybe Dix, you know, Burks is not super appealing to me. But, yeah. you know, you mentioned uh, Jeremy Bernard. I kind of lean Giles Jackson. Yeah, he's interesting in too. That, you know, I don't, I don't think we all have a grasp fully or like fully know what Washington's doing with that like third, fourth guy. Now that yeah. McMillan's out, like, is it Bernard? Is it Jackson? They've yeah. all kind of been a little bit of hurt. So I don't know if we've seen them at full strength enough to know who that third guy is, but I, I certainly would consider either of those as well. Yeah. Um, Rashad Owens, great play. Like we already mentioned, but like Jaden Bray is, is questionable. So yeah. that is in Oklahoma state receivers, man, they, they have played around for years and years. <laughs> <laughs> like that yeah. is, I remember last year it was like a new one every single, every yeah. single. Week. I've got I've got two other receivers, and then we can talk some some tight ends because we we love to give them the. Time. Um, uh, Tron Grizzle, uh, Chris K special, uh, Tron Grizzle at uh, four point three k. Um, he had a kind of a big week against I believe U- USC a few weeks ago. Um, really has kind of come into his own there, and then uh, Coy Eakin at three point eight. Uh, Okay. He is definitely coming on in the past few weeks. Um, and his, his big spots tend to match up with when, uh, Baron Morton has been in the game. Um, and so I, I think that, you know, down the stretch, as we close out this season, I'm really interested to see if Koi Eakin is kind of getting consistent looks. They rotate receivers like crazy. So it's hard to really fall in love with anybody, uh, of those, those, uh, tech receivers i know duran bradley usually has you know that touchdown equity role um and then miles price is kind of the more heavily targeted guy and then they just rotate like four or five other guys um but koi egan at 3.8 i'm i'm interested in um especially if that role continues to grow um do you have any other receivers that you're you're in on at that uh, you know, I've already mentioned a few, but to reiterate with Eakin, like I really like Eakin. I think yeah. uh, the price point doesn't make sense. And he does seem to be the guy that is starting or getting the heavy majority of those snaps in comparison to some of these other receivers. Yeah. It seemed like they really liked him in fall camp. And then he, I think he like broke his arm or something. He had like yeah. a three or four week injury that really set him back. But um, I like Egan a, a good bit. And then I mentioned some of those other guys earlier, like Dante Thornton, like um, Dixon yeah. Veal, if he plays. And with that, you know, I, I don't want to be, you know, I don't want it's kind of sacrilege, but like, I don't know if I'm going to love a tight end when I have some viable oh. receiver oh. options. So you convince you. me, convince me. So I've got, I've got three tight ends that I'm, I'm okay with. One of them is situational based on, uh, on roster construction. If you are jamming in high price guys um, and don't have a, um, enough salary to get up to, you know, even a guy like Eakin, I think Amari Nyblak is interesting at 3,300 this week. Um, he's definitely come back down to earth uh, the past few weeks. Um, hasn't, gotten the touchdown um equity uh to kind of balance out his low volume um but i think this week he's got he's got some juice against kentucky i think that um he's as worthy of anybody else within that that 
that price range. Um, guys who are a little bit more expensive but have had much higher volume. Um, Jake Brittingstool at 4,200, uh, especially if Shipley's out, I really like him. Um, and then Tanner McLaughlin at 4,000. If you're looking to kind of get some leverage on the field with an Arizona receiver, I think Tanner McLaughlin could have a really nice game this week. Um, and at 4K, I mean, I think, you know, a 15, 16 point game is within his, his uh, possible outcomes. Um, I, I wouldn't hesitate to play uh, Brinningstool or McLaughlin uh, if you're in that, you know, 42, 400 or 4,000 price range. Um, Nye Black is the one that feels extra gross and, and such low volume that I, I'm not going to be playing him a ton, but uh, a name worth mentioning at that price point. Yeah, I think Brinkstool and McLaughlin are the ones that make the most sense to me. If I had to choose, you know, I was expecting more at a Brinkstool last week, but, yeah. you know, maybe he was blanketed or something like that and re- didn't resolve. You know, it wasn't like, you know, yeah. Notre Dame's defense, generally speaking, is good. So yeah. maybe they were just good against him type of thing. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, there really is a lot of different cheaper options that provide some uh, some ways to kind of create different types of lineups here so yeah. any final thoughts and then of course uh <laughs> the answer to our weekly question of are we using two quarterbacks yeah like are we forcing two quarterbacks or not or wanting let's say a heavy 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 amount of two quarterbacks i am playing i think 200 percent quarterback this week um just because of the the prices that you know noah fafita is at six thousand. I don't see that much benefit in enrolling another running back. Um, we talk about it quite a bit, that if you're not playing a quarterback, you're hardly ever playing another wide receiver. It's almost always a fourth running back. Um, I don't see the need to do that. Um, but, you know, on a slate this way, especially with receivers that we're expecting to be so chalky, if you're going to run a really chalk quarterback wide receiver combo, like, Travis and his receivers or Fafita and his receivers. I don't mind throwing a fourth running back in and just kind of banking on, you know, that magic game of another running back to differentiate. Um, that being said, I, I really like Fafita. I don't mind uh, some guys who we're going to talk about on flex or fade this week um, at their cheap price point as well. So um, I'm, I'm playing, Playing the two QBs. Are are you uh you getting weird with it this week or no? I'm I'm gonna play two quarterbacks as well. A heavy, heavy amount. Um there's just not a lot of the receiver options are not like deep and they're not, you know, it's they're just not sexy and the pricing yeah. is is mild, right? And then the running backs same I think are much better, but I don't think they're like last week, right? Like last week it felt like so many guys were so good. I think these options are very good, yeah. but not enough to take away from a quarterback that could easily hit 25 points. Like when that floor truly is like 20 versus like uh Devin Neal that like, yeah, I feel decent about maybe 20 points. That's not, there's a difference there. So yeah. definitely going to roll two quarterbacks as much as possible. I think there's, tons of different options. This one feels way more unique than uh, the last couple of weeks, at least. Yeah. I uh, hope everybody enjoys the weekend, enjoys the games. Got some fun different uh, conference matchups for us to watch, like Penn State, Michigan, uh, Ole Miss, mm, Ole Miss, Georgia, Bama, Kentucky. Those are some 
fun ones. Utah, Washington, upset alert we've we've called. But uh, yeah, enjoy the games, enjoy the slate, and we'll catch you guys next week.